This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Lisa Graham from Watsika, Illinois. And you're listening to another special Heavy Horse episode of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network, presented by the Draft Horse Journal for September 1st, 2016. Our episode number is 1508. This episode is brought to you by the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA. Good morning, horse world. Good morning. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Perturans in the arena. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is the first Thursday of the month, which means it's Draft Horse Day on Horses in the Morning. And we have Lisa back with us. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Glenn. How are you? How how can it have been a month already since we started our first show? Well, and I got to tell you about your first show. I have to congratulate you and all of your listeners who tuned in because it was the number one episode on Horses in the Morning out of all 20 of them last month. That That's amazing. I mean, our I think it's just going to grow bigger and bigger when more people get kind of out of their show schedule. Right now, it's hard for people to tune in, but knowing that they can go back and listen to these episodes. That, that's awesome. So congratulations to the Draft Horse world. Yeah, and we have to congratulate Lynn at the Draft Horse Journal. There, He's really the one that sets up all these guests and makes it all happen. We're just here. I mean, you know, we're just doing the talking. <laughs> he does all the hard work. So he Lynn, congratulations. Lynn's a great guy. Congratulations, great guy. the Draft Horse Journal, for putting on our number one episode of Horses in the Morning. Actually, it would be the number one episode on the entire network last month. Wow. So wow. good job, guys. Good job. Now, Lisa, unfortunately, lives in the middle of freaking nowhere. So she got up <laughs> at four in the morning this morning to drive 40 miles to find internet. And what happened when you got there? Internet's down. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you had storms, right? <laughs> yeah, we had some storms. Internets are down. And, and, you know, I really did try to plan everything out right and got up super early and got here and talked with Lynn early this morning, talked with you earlier this morning, internet system down. And, you know, I'm in the Midwest. You're, you're where the hurricanes are hitting. You should be the one having the the issues, but you know, it's okay. We're going to make it work. And I promise it's just going to get better. And I am, I am going to find me an internet service that, that provides good service all the time. That's what happens. See, we're horse people. We live in the middle of nowhere. Actually, before we came to the place we're at now, that was one of the criteria. We ha- we have to have good internet connection or we can't do our, <laughs> our job, right? So we, right. we made sure we have we have really good internet connection here. Let's hope that stays. Uh, so far, the tropical storm, Hermione, or whatever they're calling it, is heading a little bit north of us. So we've just gotten some rain. We haven't gotten the heavy winds and everything. And let's hope it stays that way. Uh, if we disappear in the middle of the show, it means it didn't stay that way. So, and then we'll see you all next month. But at this point, we're looking pretty good on the radar. 
Sure. Now, I've done a few shows that, you know, we're coming into the kind of the end of our busy season in the draft horses. The month of July and August, you hit all the state fairs and, and some of the bigger county fairs, and weather has played a role in it. I can tell you at Indiana State Fair, Illinois State Fair, the rain was horrid. I mean, it came down in torrential amounts. And if you watch the news, Illinois State Fair had many vehicles flooded completely underwater, campers, Mm. trucks, trailers, um, moved into Indiana. Setting up there, it was one of those same things. Rained every single day. It kind of hurt the crowds coming in, which which is sad because... You know, a lot of those people come to the fair just to watch the draft horses and the draft horse people, they love to go into Coliseum full. And so there were many times they shut parking down, they shut down um, some of the events going on because of the weather. Then we moved to Iowa. And if you follow me on Facebook, I put on there the first day. I have never experienced the heat and the humidity like this. You know, we're, we're dealing with these one ton animals, but the humidity with with the heat index is over 100, 110 every day. You can see where everybody kind of gets wore out, tired, down. But I tell you, the shows have been amazing. Every show that I've been to so far this year, the the, the numbers are up in both the halter and the hitches, and sometimes 15, 26 horse hitches in the arena. Whoa, so that's weather, weather's <laughs> that's a lot, you know. And, and I have to give a shout out to the Minnesota State Fair. I just got back from there. Biggest crowds I've ever seen. Now, Glenn, when you talk about filling an arena, you think maybe the bottom section gets filled. Right. The Coliseum at Minnesota State Fair was 10,000 people filled every performance for the draft horses. Wow. A crowd like, I, like I've never, ever seen before. So it just shows that people do love the gentle giants and they're supporting our industry. And, and I know our exhibitors are thrilled to go into a coliseum just full of people well and you know what uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk to some of those uh, superstars today and we're, we have an exciting show planned lynn at the draft horse journal has put it together for us and jennifer's gonna tell us what is up on this month's heavy horse episode brought to you by the draft horse journal at the end gate we're gonna hear from stacy lynch about the six horse hitch classic series And then next up, Jason Rutledge is going to talk about being a horse logger in modern times. And then it's off to Iowa with Linda Schuster of the Brit Draft Horse Show. And then taking the victory lap at the end, Rudy Helmuth takes us behind the scenes with the Budweiser Clydesdale hitch. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. That's a hitch that you've announced a few times, haven't you, Lisa? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But Glenn, I have to give you a little kudos out there. You have a kind of an important guest coming on the show tomorrow. Yeah, we have uh, the King's Wife. That's right. We have Priscilla Presley coming on the show tomorrow here at Horses in the Morning. Uh, We did one of our one of my favorite episodes, we've done almost 5,000 episodes now on all the shows, and one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done was we got to go do a live show at Graceland from the barn. We actually were set up in the barn in the Iowa with the horses awesome. there. They have kept horses there since Elvis died at Graceland because Elvis was a huge horse guy. At one point, he owned more than 100 horses. And, wow. Um, pr- and, of course, he got the wife and the kids involved. So Priscilla uh, talk, is going to talk a little bit about growing up and the kids getting horses and all of that stuff. So we're going to have her on the show tomorrow, and we're very excited about that. And then also I wanted to mention anybody out in Colorado on September the 17th, 
well, Jennifer and I are heading out there for vacation, and we're going to do a listener meetup at the Colorado Horse Park. It's an event. There's a three-day event going on there, and it's cross-country day on Saturday the 17th. We're going to meet at 11 a.m. at, and they're also having a festival. It's their big festival every year. So we're going to meet at the Pony Rides, at the Pony Ride Concession. That's where we're all going to meet up. We figured that'd be easy to remember. At 11 o'clock in the morning on September 17th at the Colorado Horse Park. If you're in the area, stop by. A couple hosts of the Horse Radio Network will be there. And Jennifer and I will be there and just hang out and have fun and watch the uh, watch the riders go cross-country. And at that park, you can see about 10 of the jumps from one spot. So you can really see a lot uh, of the activity going on there. Plus, it's a fest. Festival. There'll be funnel cake. What more do you want? You just have to come. <laughs> so that's what's going on fun. here. Yep, that's what's going on here. We're very excited about that as well. Well, now you are going to get right into the action because we have so much to do on today's show. Uh, but for, And the first thing we're going to do is uh, an interview that you picked up uh, a little bit ago with Stacy. Tell us about that. Well, we were doing a show together. Stacy was a photographer, and I was announcing a show out in Jordan, Minnesota. And she is the executive secretary that deals with the Six Horse Hitch series. And I thought, what a great way to visit with her and kind of let our listeners find out more about what our Six Horse Hitch series is about and how it started. And it's kind of got a local connection to you because it started in Ocala, Florida, where you and Jennifer broadcast from. Actually, one, so, of, one of our neighbors. So that's that's exactly. right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Dr. Weber started this. So we got to visit with Stacy a little bit. And I think what's going to bring this full circle is Stacy's going to explain to you about the competition and, and promoting the six horse hitches and, and how this association began. And then next month, when we have our next interview, we'll be able to tell you who was crowned the champion, the best of the best in the six horse hitches, because those finals will be held in Oklahoma City coming up at the end of the month. All right, here we go. Today we're talking with Stacy Lynch. Stacy joins us as one of the most well-rounded draft horse enthusiasts out there. She plays a multitude of roles, from being an exhibitor and a breeder of Pertrin horses, to being active on the Pertrin Horse Association Board of Directors. And what we're going to talk about today is Stacy is the Executive Secretary and Director for the North American Six Horse Hitch Classic Series. This is an organization that promotes six horse hitches all across North America, and Stacy, it's nice to talk to you today. And uh, just give us a little bit of history about what the Classic Series is and where it started. The Classic Series started in about 1987 by Dr. John Weber, and he brought together several draft horse enthusiasts at the time, and they decided to put together a competition competitive series where people could collect points across North America at various competitions and compete at a finals. And I think in today's Six Horse Hitch world, the word points comes into play a lot of times. How it actually works is if there is a series competition, if a show has paid to become a member of the Classic Series, each of the hitches receive points in accordance to where they place. And when it comes down to picking who goes to the final and who gets to make that run for the championship, the points do play an extremely important part. I know last year at our finals, the points were just a few points separating the top and the bottom hitches. Yes, the uh, hitches go for about 70 shows throughout the season, at uh, varying qualifying shows throughout the season, and they, they get points based on where they place, as you said, and anywhere from 
uh, there could be 20 something hitches in a class to two hitches in a class. So depending on how many hitches are competing, the uh, hitch will determine what shows they're going to go to. And how actually it works is we have in our draft horse hitch competition right now, the main breeds that are competing include the Belgians, the Pertrans, and then the Clydesdale and Shires combined for their breed representations. So at the end of our show season, which just happens to be Labor Day weekend, all of the points are added up from all of the shows all across North America. And just about how many shows, again, takes into account these six horse hitches? There's about 75 shows total, and what we do at the end of the season, uh, the first day after Labor Day, we take the top four uh, competitors from the Clydesdales and Shires, the Belgians and the Pertrans, so we take 12 hitches to our finals, and this year the finals will be in Oklahoma City at the Oklahoma State Fair as part of their fair. And so we're talking about over 200 hitches that go into these six-horse hitch classes, and it really is an honor to be invited. I know it doesn't always happen because of timing conflicts and, and personal conflicts that the top four hitches can't come. So then you kind of move down uh, and you do follow the points, and you always try to get the best of the best to come to your finals. That's correct. We take the top four. We start at the top of the list for each breed. Each director uh, decides on who they're going to call. They make their phone calls and see if the hitch is able to come to the finals. Sometimes we aren't able to get the top hitches, as you said, but we just work our way down for for each additional hitch to make sure that they do or don't want to participate in the finals. So typically we do get the top hitches in the country to participate. Well, and I, looking over uh, where you started, it's kind of ironic that you started in Ocala, Florida. That's where this radio show is broadcast from. So we're excited to, uh, again, kind of be a part of your local history. This year is your 29th year. So next year, celebrating 30 years of Six Horse Hitches. Do you think that somebody like Dr. Weber, 30 years ago that envisioned this, that would soon realize that over 200 Six Horse Hitches are going to be traveling all across this country and in Canada trying to get to the finals? No, I can't imagine that he thought it would take off like this. And even in this past year, we've added a second series to grow our organization called the classic cart series. So this uh, has added a whole new element to our organization to try and involve more people that don't necessarily have the ability or wherewithal to put together a six horse hitch, but they can certainly put one single horse in a cart and a single harness and put it in one trailer and get it to a horse show. So that's our newest venture with this. And, and uh, if it weren't for the thoughts of these forefathers that brought us to where we are today, we would uh, have not been able to add this to our series. And I, I think that when we look at some of these exhibitors that are now working our six horse hitch classes, a lot of them did start out with one horse. I know some of them right now in the top of the Belgian game uh, started out as halter people, got one horse, bought two horses, and now they're at the top of the game. So adding this classic cart series is a great way to, again, stimulate the draft horse industry, getting just one horse ready and traveling to a show. But the six horse hitches, there are some great advantages to being a member of the classic series and, and competing. Whether you're going to be one of those that are lucky enough to get the call to go to the finals or not, there are some advantages to being a member of the classic series. 
Yeah, we we like for all of the hitches to be a member only because they do benefit from the classic series. The classic series requires that all of the qualifying shows pay a minimum premium for their qualifying classes of $2,500. So if you're going to receive points at a qualifying show, the show must pay out $2,500 in premiums as a minimum. Most shows pay over $5,000 as a premium. Uh, and there are several shows that will go upwards of $30,000 in premium money for the Six Horse Hitch class. And if you are anywhere across North America, our shows that are conducting these classes honoring the Six Horse Hitches, they're from Canada to the U.S., literally all across North America. Um, how can you follow or stay in touch and see what's happening on the Classic Series? The Classic Series, the best way to stay in touch is either through Facebook at uh, North American Six Horse Hitch Classic Series or via our website, naclassicseries.com. Our event schedule is on our website along with all of the point recordings so you can follow which hitches are at the top of their game and are likely to compete in the finals. All right. Well, again, talking with Stacy Lynch today, she is the secretary for this North American Classic Series, and we are inviting everybody to join us in Oklahoma City this September when we will crown our upcoming champions for the 2015-2016 series. And it's just a great organization to follow, as she said, either on Facebook or online. Well, thank you to put for putting that together, Lisa. We appreciate that. 200 hitches. That's hard to believe. Yeah. That's a lot of work. And horses. again, I don't think I don't think Dr. Weber would have ever dreamt that it would be this big. And the good thing is, yes, there are a lot of corporate hitches out there, but there are so many of those six horse hitches that are family based and, and it's just for their family to go out and promote horses and to promote their farms. So it kind of brings it full circle where there's there's literally something for everyone. And by adding that cart classic now Again, you can just take one horse and be a part of this great organization. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing for everybody. Very good. Well, and I know I, I know the points are getting close. If you go down and, and look at the points, there's maybe four and five points separating the tops from the bottom four. So, it really is a race. All the shows that are going to be happening this weekend will determine who who gets the call to go to Oklahoma. Sounds good, and we'll get the results on that next month. There's something else exciting happening, too, and that's exciting news from the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA. They have committed to hosting the next World Clydesdale Show just two years from now. In 2018, the World's Clydesdale Show will be heading back to the Alliant, is it Alliant? Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin, where it was held in 2007 and 2011. The Madison area is a great city to embrace the two 2018 World's Clydesdale Show, with camping on site and hotels within walking distance of the facility. More than 800 Bonnie Clydes will be on hand in the latest state-of-the-art facilities, totaling 290,000 square feet of indoor space, replacing the nine former ag barns. Plenty of space for arenas, brand new box stalls, pre-function areas, vendor spacing, and more. The Breed's Best will be on hand to partake in well over 100 competitions. Mark your calendars, make your plans, and set your goals. Stay abreast of the updates of the 2018 World Clydesdale Show on the Clydesdale Breeders website at ClydeUSA.com. That's ClydeUSA.com. And I'm just throwing it out there to the universe.
members that uh, we would happy to be doing this show from there. So if anybody from the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA is listening, just throwing that out there. <laughs> no, just, yeah. Will, will I can almost promise you we're going to be there. Okay, you're going to make your you're going to make the trip up north. Okay, good because I'm waiting. I, I, you know, we did the Percherons, now we got to do the Clydes. All right, exactly. <laughs> and we had a great time doing that too. We're going to switch gears a little bit here. We're talking to Jason Rutledge, horse logger, and also director of the Healing Harvest Forest Foundation and director of the American Suffolk Horse Association. Plus, he's a TV star. He appeared on the uh, on an episode of X Men. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, uh, horses in the morning, folks. Thank you so much Good for morning, joining Jason. us. It's good to have you. Now, tell me, uh, you're first and foremost, you're a horse logger, and I think a lot of people would be surprised that that's still going on with horses. How do you how do you make a living uh, logging with horses still? <laughs> well, first, let me segue by saying that uh, I was in Oklahoma City last year and saw the uh, the classic six horse hitch, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, our <laughs> annual meeting of stuff, of course, Jason was out there, and it's the first time I'd ever seen anything like that, and it was. It was just amazing. So anyone that wants to be amazed by horses should uh, should watch the classic uh, if they get a chance. Uh, we we make a living uh, logging with horses uh, the same way that uh, other forest products producers do by uh, uh, harvesting timber and selling logs or uh, processing the logs uh, uh, through what's called value adding and producing lumber or forest products out of it and uh, selling that lumber. Uh, Primarily locally, but uh, also nationally through a, a brand name I have called Draftwood, which is horse logged lumber from restorative forestry. So we, we make a living producing forest products, but uh, the animal power is, is the, uh, performs the extraction component. And we have a, a, a good uh, uh, demand for services because so many private landowners uh, uh, don't want their forest to be in the process of harvesting timber and, and they reject uh, mechanized harvesting and clear cutting and, and uh, choose the method of forest forestry that we practice, which is restorative forestry. And the forestry is, is based on worst first single tree selection where you go in and imitate nature and take the trees that are not doing well and in, and in that process you cultivate the better trees and the horses provide a, a surgical uh, a power source to extract just the trees you want while you're protecting the residual. And, and our approach is that uh, what we leave is more important than what we take. Uh, we may be making a living, but we're not getting rich. I'll tell you that. We're just, we're just <laughs> yeah, by and, and, and we, we enjoy our horses very much. That's a big part of what uh, I think the uh, greatest uh, value to what we are doing uh, personally is uh, the human dignity that's achieved from leaving a place better than you found it. And that's exactly what restorative forestry and, and modern horse logging is uh, from the context of Healing Harvest Forest Foundation. Now, do you do you use Suffolk's? Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about the breed and why you use that. But let's go let's go to technically how you do it. Are you using a pair to pull the logs? Are you using one? How does that work? Generally, we do use a pair and a, a modern device called a log arch uh, that uh, provides front-end suspension of the log, keeps the front of the log from digging in, and, of course, provides a, a safe operating place uh, for the for the driver, for the operator. Uh, it's basically a two-wheel cart that, uh, that uh, lifts the log from the front with a, with a choker chain or uh, uh, grabs that we drive into it. So uh, 
So, so we are modern in that we're not dragging logs on the ground uh, any longer or, or walking along the side of the log. We do have a cart that uh, that provides front end suspension, and and of course we're completely modern as we can be, and the components of our harness are all nylon and and steel. And uh, uh, this is this is not about uh, uh, trying to be my grandfather or going back. You can't go back to it. This is about a way of providing a superior approach to uh, to harvesting timber. Uh, in the present and and for the future. What a, so? What? A, why so, Suffolk? Why the Suffolk uh, breed of horse? Uh, that's a great question. I get asked that all the time, and my my uh, my uh, response is uh, is laziness. <laughs> um, you know, when you work when you work with horses, you're already going to, you're already going to work as hard as you possibly could. So I chose the Suffolk because I feel and have experienced that they are the easiest horse to work with as far as a uh, uh, willingness to please, uh, pulling hard, uh, adapting to, to all the different situations. And uh, so if you're going to work hard, why not choose the easiest horse to work? And that's what the Suffolk is to me. Uh, I encountered the horses many years ago when I was in service uh, uh, back in 69 and was intrigued by the fact that the that they were solid red. I had never seen a solid red horse, and and uh, I became attracted to them then, and and got started with them uh, uh, back in uh, 1980, and have have been raising uh, the horses uh, ever since, including uh, having several imported horses. These horses come from England originally, and and are the only horse uh, bred exclusively for farm use, and never been used for knights and and armor, and have never been used for uh, hitch type situations that their horse is built very efficient with a low knee and a low hock that doesn't have uh, any uh, extra action about their movement. They're very efficient. Uh, so when, when a Suffolk reaches out and takes a big step, they are lowering themselves to the ground, which gives them a great advantage to pull a heavy weight from a, from a standstill. Plus they have these great hearts of, and willingness to, to try over and over uh, for the asking and uh, and often, you know, the best timber that's left here in the Appalachians where I'm at is always in the most difficult spots <laughs> for a reason. It's left there because it was hard to get last time. So these horses uh, provide us an excellent power source to sensitively remove uh, those those heavy objects uh, uh, from, from difficult uh, um, access. Do you, uh, do you uh, so do they tend to be a little shorter in stature? They're not the 18-handers. They tend to be more the 16 to 17-handers? That's, that's correct. They're generally about a 16-hand horse, weighs about 17, 50, 1,800 pounds. Uh, I do tend to breed them a little bit bigger because I do uh, uh, hook onto uh, heavier logs uh, uh, than most folks uh, sometimes, and I try to keep my horses up a little over 16 hands and, and weighing around 1,800 pounds. Uh, but they are a shorter, uh, blockier, uh, uh, shorter-coupled uh, horse with a, with a very flat shoulder. Uh, you know, that provides a tremendous amount of draft. Uh, most people don't realize that horses are really pulling nothing. They're pushing into a collar, and they're lifting and moving forward at the same time, and that's where the term draft comes from. And these horses are, again, given a considerable advantage by their confirmation uh, to be able to apply that lift. And they have been good for 500 years based on their phenotype of willingness to try hard. English farmers that developed this breed uh, were very particular about uh, having the horses work hard in, in the plains of Suffolk, England, and and uh, it was, uh, it was the oldest uh, registry of draft animals uh, 
tract uh, lineage uh, in the world, uh, and and uh, they're very typey. They they generally uh, look very much alike. They're the only that breed true to color. They're always chestnut, uh, red wings and tails, or a similar colored body and mane color. Uh, and they just have a great willingness to please, and uh, that's that's uh, very endearing. And and of course, it uh, has uh, you know created a considerable loyalty to them by me and by anyone that actually wants their horses. They can love love the Suffolk. Now you well, you said that. Yeah, that sorry, Glenn. I just was questioning you. You said that you have a breeding program, and when I was going back and doing a little um, pre-interview, looking at, at what you do with your horses. You had to travel quite a ways to find a stallion. Well, uh, you know, this, their horses are so rare. They're on the Livestock Bridge Conservancy uh, uh, endangered and near this list went at 52 in the entire United States uh, in 2015. Uh, wow. And small pool of horses, we had to work very diligently to not... Uh, inbreed our horses and not have our horses to, to related. So I did travel in 2010 to, to England and uh, bought a 10-month-old colt uh, with, uh, uh, and the word we use in the South here is auspicious beginnings. We, I bought that, that colt with the greatest hope that he would become a, a great sire. Uh, you know, I made the assessment as I could uh, with a 10-month-old and, of course, was able to see his, his, uh, his sire and his dam. Um, and that horse has turned out to be uh, a fertile, uh, productive, and has produced uh, oh about twenty five bulls for us now uh, uh, here in uh, the central Appalachians of, uh, of Virginia. Um, and he's matured; uh, he's now seven, uh, weighs up to twenty one fifty, and stands about seventeen two. He's a big Suffolk. Uh, mm. He's a stout boy. <laughs> he's a big guy. Stout. <laughs> yeah, he was a twenty nine inch collar. He's he's quite a horse and. Uh, um, and the Suffolks in England tend to be larger than our American horses. Uh, just generally, I think they have quite an advantage by, by high calcium and the pasturage over there, and the horses tend to to uh, get uh, what they need to grow bone. Uh, oh, Jason, your signal's uh, coming in and out on us a little bit there. Um, I, I, you're probably on your cell phone, aren't you? Oh, I think we lose him altogether. Jason, you still there? There. I think he's gone. See, he must live in rural America too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask him. I wanted we... to ask him about his time on on the TV show Axemen, but uh... well, yeah, I think he's kind of full rounded. Not only is he a horseman, but he's a TV actor. As you said, he's been on Axemen. And talking with Lynn at the Draft Horse Journal this morning, Lynn said that there is another article that's going to be featuring. Jason in this issue, upcoming issue of the Draft Horse Journal, and he said, Lynn from the journal said that Jason is the only one to be featured on the cover, so oh, wow. I hope Jason can get back to us, because he's, he's quite an interesting man, and and again, not having him online to talk to, but Lynn was telling me through conversations with Jason in the past that one of the things when they log, they take a log out, they have a foundation that they kind of... Um, go through a complete process where they bring the log out, they make furniture out of that piece of log, and then they sell it local with the money going back in to um, the Healing Harvest Forest Foundation. So it's a great thing. He's he's using the horsepower, he's making a living, and he's doing good for the community and the world. So I, I think Jason's got it all figured out. 
Do they show the Suffolks? Uh, by the way, if you want to find out more about uh, the, the Suffolks, you can go to RidgewindSuffolks.com and also Healing Harvest Healing Harvest Forest Foundation.org. That's a mouthful. Healing Harvest Forest Foundation.org is also where you can go. Do you see the Suffolks showing at all? Do they show any of them? Or are they strictly I used have for work? Not, yeah. No, I have not seen them at, at the Midwest. More than more shows I'm coming at, I haven't seen them. But down in Texas, I know as like Texas State Fair, they, they do have some more. The registry, like Jason said, is, is pretty small, but they're pretty loud. I mean, those people promote their breed. And I know I, I used to get their newsletters uh, about what was going on in their association. And, you know, J- as Jason said, they came together in Oklahoma for an annual meeting last year, which is perfect. If, if you have a horse event and you want to have a host city, Oklahoma is great. And then you get to watch the finals as well. So I don't think they're as big Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen one show in an open. They're such cool-looking horses, too. They're so meaty. They're so big, you know, they are. just powerful-looking. Well, yeah, it's very lots cool. Lots of power packed in a little package. It's, uh, you know, he's but he's logging wow. in the Appalachians on the side of a mountain. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> no wonder there's no yeah, service. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. We're lucky we had them at all today. All right, let's talk a little bit about another place that you're very familiar with because you have a piece of their equipment sitting in your at your farm. I do. We're we're uh, working together today with the Belgian Hill Farms and Terry Pierce and his family, just an incredible family, and they support our draft horse industry in so many ways. Uh, at Belgian Hill Farm, they manufacture high-quality fifth-wheel wagons for practice, pleasure, and show. They're offered in three styles. You can get a 10-foot flatbed, a 10-foot tricycle front, or a 12-foot people hauler. The maneuverability and easy access of these vehicles makes them both fun and practical. They have hydraulic brakes that are standard, and steel wheels are optional. If you talk to some of the best in our industry, you can ask Billy Bush, Terry Bradshaw, Robert Sparrow, Keith Seabold, or Lynn Apenhorst about their show wagons, because Belgian Hill Farms, Terry and his crew have worked with their show wagons. And by all means, inquire with some of, again, the best in our industry, Mark Berry of Laura Belgians, Ron Dean of the Waverly Midwest Horse Sales, as to their satisfaction with their practice wagons. And like you said, I have a piece of their equipment that, that my son Austin uses regularly. At Belgian Hill Farm, they also build steel shoeing socks that are indispensable, not just for shoeing, but for trimming, clipping, or even veterinary work. They can You can walk a horse into them easily and feel safe that the horse isn't going to get hurt and you're not going to get hurt working on the horse. Their stocks are offered with or without a winch and in both draft horse and light horse sizes. But the thing that I think almost every farm in the Midwest has is the Belgian Hill training sled. They're absolutely perfect for training and conditioning horses. They're durably built. They hold up to the rigors of the draft horses. You know, you and I talked earlier today, light horses got some picking issues going on at your place and the draft horses... They're big. They're a little rough on equipment. But when it comes to Belgian Hill, their equipment lasts for a lifetime. Um, their training sleds are available in two sizes, light and draft horse sizes. Chad Cole from the Pinwood Pertrans, Rod Kohler of the Young Living Farm, Dean Woodbury of Blue Ribbon Days, and Gary Miller working with Willow Creek Belgians all break and condition their horses with the Belgian Hill sleds. And that should tell you a little bit about how awesome that they actually are. If you'd like more information on the Belgian Hill equipment, you can visit them online at www.belgianhillfarm.com 
or follow them on Facebook at BHF Equipment. So Harry Pierce, his crew, Belgian Hill Farms, they're made right in the great state of Iowa, and they are made by draft horse people for the draft horse people or the light horses as well. Very good. Thank you for their sponsorship of this Draft Horse episode. Your next guest is ready, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit, uh, something again, a little bit different. Linda Schuster. Linda, are you online with us this morning? Oh, no, not more problems. Linda, there she is. Hi, Linda. How are things in Iowa today? Well, very good. The sun's shining, and we're getting last-minute touches and and things ready, anticipating hitches arriving. A lot of them have brought their campers already, and a lot of spectators roll in early in the week so they can get prime camping spots, and and um, everything's well, kind of well, buzzing around. It's, it's, it's time well, for the show us, to start. It is. Let's give a little bit of history about um, the Brit Draft Horse Show. First of all, Brit is Brit, Iowa is in the far west corner of Iowa, and it's a small town. Yesterday, I was kind of trying to do some homework, and I looked up the population of Brit, and it's 2,000. There's barely 2,000 people in in the city of Brit, but that encompasses the surrounding area. So the city of Brit is, is very small, and I will say that I have been an exhibitor there. I've been your announcer there. I've been a spectator there. It truly is one of the most unique draft horse shows out there. Um, it happens literally in the field of dreams kind of atmosphere. Your your fairground is in the middle of a cornfield. There's cornfields surrounding it all around. 2,000 people in the town, but every Labor Day weekend, it becomes draft horse capital of the country. I mean, you are welcoming 18 six-horse hitches um, that will come in and they'll show everything from the single cart all the way through the six or the eight-horse hitches. But I can't even describe to our listeners how unique it is because it is such a rule setting. Um, It's a local county fairground, and it's transformed into stalls to accommodate 18 six-horse hitches, and the population of your town literally will double. I mean, that's my opinion. It literally doubles when the horses come to town. That's correct. And, Actually, Britt is in north central Iowa, straight north of Des Moines. So it it is um, uh, in not northwest Iowa, but we are uh, pretty. We're only twenty miles from Interstate thirty five, so we're, we're easy access to um, main highways too. Absolutely. And one thing about you, Linda, you have been involved with this for since the beginning of it. You are the only original born member that is still involved with it. This started in 1982. Give us a little history on on how did you decide in the middle of this small county fairground to put on such a production? Well, it started at a local pub and a group of people, um, David Adams and myself, Ed Carlson, um, the local beer distributor, um, Phil, um, Cabricks and uh, it happened to be the president of the fair board happened to be there and we we had been to we had finished up um, some major shows and we had talked to, sat and talked about how disappointing it was to um, not to be able to have a show that where people 
families with children and older people who want to see the horses could come and sit and watch just a draft horse show rather than a few classes on one day and another class on another day and having it spread out through a week. We thought there would be an audience that would be willing to come and watch strictly a draft horse show. And that's what the idea um, spurred the enthusiasm of a number of local people. And we got the support of, of um, the community and that's how it started. Wow, and and it is, it has grown. And I have you always had eighteen? Has that always been the, the number that you shot for, or did it start smaller? It started smaller. The first show we had sixteen six horse hitches. We had Martin Manufacturing. They built portable stalls for us, and that is the we figured that would suffice with our size of our buildings we had and. So we limited the first show, the first several shows to 16 six-horse hitches. Wow. And and, and I have to, to smile when I think about how it's grown because, like I said, I was a part of your show for many years. And it seemed like each year we would have to add more bleachers because more people would come. And it would get to the point where the line to get in to watch the show started early in the morning because it's such a down-home feel. People love to come and watch the horses get their baths, get groomed, get braided, get harnessed, get hooked to the wagon. It's not just about coming in and, and sitting down and watching a show. It, it, the people come for the whole production. And like you said earlier, campers are probably starting to arrive now. Yes, they are. And we have a lot of people that they'll watch part of the classes and then they enjoy watching the hitching up the in, in the in the background they they want to be in the in the barns watching also and so it's it gives um an opportunity for people to see the what all goes into putting on a draft horse show as far as the horses and and their crews the owners and their crews and and um it is quite a production from the time they start washing the horses until they're ready to go into the show ring it's uh, it's quite a process, and a lot of people just love to stand around and watch, and most of the draft horse people are a friendly bunch, and they're willing to answer questions and visit, and, and a lot of friendships have developed just over the years of people being repeat visitors to the show and be getting acquainted with the different hitches and their crews. Right, and I, I agree. I think if, if there's any word that would describe the Brit Draft Horse Show, it's family. Because whether you are blood-related or not, everybody kind of comes together. And and there's always food vendors set up and, and your church tents, they're selling food. But it's not uncommon for the vendors to all light up their grills and invite the public in to sit down. And I think as far as when you're, when you're coming out of a, the seasons at the state fairs where you have to constantly be worrying about the public and, and the public getting around too close. It's the opposite of Brit. Your kids can run free. There's sandboxes, toy boxes for the kids to play in. Um, The exhibitors are always just kind of watching out for each other. I've seen it there as well as you have, Linda, when some piece of equipment breaks, another exhibitor is going to be the first one to offer up a, a piece to get that hitch going in the arena. So I guess to me, it kind of comes together as family. Um, but 
tell me again about your exhibitors now. Um, like, what are some of the distances that our people are traveling or your farthest group coming to, to show this year? Um. I'm just trying and to I, think. Uh, we well, have had, okay, in the past. I, we've had pitches from Oregon. We and you have the list in front of you. And and uh, sure. But um, we've had pitches from Oregon, from New Mexico, from Canada, from the East Coast, from South Carolina or North Carolina. Um, so we've we've had hitches here from all over. And um, well, I so think if you sense. ever, re- for sure. But if you ever read a book like on who's who in our draft horse. And, and, you know, someday that's going to happen. There's going to be a draft horse book written. But when you look at some of the most predominating names in our industry, they've all been a part of the draft horse show from Perio Belgians to Cape Cod, uh, Brislon, Ames, McMains and Sparrows are names that are synonymous with the Brit draft horse show. So you're not just bringing county fair pitches together. You're bringing some of the best from around the nation in the country to, to small Brit, Iowa. So it's, it's quite an honor, yeah. and, and you've dedicated a lot of time to this. It's, I believe that the appeal for it for the exhibitors is that it is a laid-back, relaxing show for them. We try to accommodate everybody and provide them supplies, their bedding, their hay and straw, whatever they need, basically at our cost. So it's financially feasible for them to to sure. show here. And it's a, um, because it's a friendly atmosphere, we don't charge stall rent. We don't charge class fees. Everybody that comes is expected to drive a men's cart, ladies' cart, a team, a unicorn, a four, and a six, but we don't we don't charge any fees. Where I think a lot of shows, um, state fairs and stuff, the the stall rents and the the bales of hay and and your bedding gets very expensive, and we try right. to make that more affordable here. Right. Well, and you have such a great community support. You put out a a tremendous show program that. It's kind of become a collector's item year after year. I know I have a stack of them at my house, but, you know, it's a collector's item, and and it talks about each and every hitch, and it talks about the exhibitors, and it's something that the people take home with them after each year to see what's going to be on the cover or or who's who's going to be featured. Um, You just, if there was anybody that has it really going on, it's that Brit Draft Horse Show, And, and years and years of dedication by your board and each year, it seems like some of your exhibitors change, but you've had exhibitors that have been there almost since the beginning. Yes, yes, we have. There's been families that have been here for most of the shows, and, and we appreciate their coming back, and we appreciate the you know the people that, that do come, and they always come and put on the best show that they can for us in spite of whether if it's too warm or too cool or too wet, they they give it their all, and we appreciate that, and and um, so does the community. I guess we should have said that, that. It is an outdoor arena, but it's one of the biggest outdoor arenas where ultimately on Sunday afternoon when you're going to crown your champion six-horse hitch, you bring 
all of them into the arena at one time. And that is second to none in our industry. That's never done anywhere else. And I remember the first time I announced the show and I wasn't familiar with what was going to happen. And I start seeing 18 six horse hitches maneuvering around the arena in small circles. I thought we've lost control. What's going on here? But it, but it's actually organized. It, it, it's a drill that these drivers look forward to and are excited to where nowhere else in this country, are you going to have 18 six horse hitches working in one arena and doing reverses and lining up? It, it is, do they it's have phenomenal. traffic police? Are you know there? what? There are. And, and Glenn, <laughs> you would you would laugh because the first time I was up in the announcer's booth and seeing this, I literally thought, "Oh my gosh, we're you know we're going to have a head-on crash here." But the drivers make it look so easy. They serpentine and they do the reverses and they work the inner circles. And and we're talking hitches that are strung fifty feet out. You know they're. They're maneuvering these six horse hitches in areas we probably couldn't even turn a Volkswagen around in. And, and there's 18 of them in the arena at one time. So I don't know what the gate costs are. We'll get that from Linda, but it is worth the admission just to see that final day where you crown your champion. And, and Linda, maybe tell us a little bit about how to get into the gates and what time you open and what days you start. Because if anybody listening is in the Iowa area or the, that tri state area, it is well worth the trip to Britt, Iowa to, to, to experience everything that this show has to offer. So, Linda, again, give us some dates and times and when things are starting to really happen. Okay, well, everybody's, this is Thursday. Everybody's supposed to be arrived here this evening. And so our gates open tomorrow, Friday morning at 7 and at 6 p.m. in the evening. We have our youth show, which People will see uh, junior cart and senior cart, a junior team driver and a um, senior team driver. And then Saturday morning at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock are the grooming classes and showmanship classes for the youth and halter classes. And then our main hit show starts at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And on Saturday afternoon and 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. And the the Brit um, Hancock County Fairgrounds is on the southeast side of Brit. So if you come into Brit and come down Main Street and just drive through town, if you get a little a quarter of a mile out of town, you will look to your left and to the east, and you will see that uh, the fairgrounds. And it will be very obvious because there will be a lineup of semis and campers and and lots of cars and people. It's one thing about draft horse rigs, as you can see them from 10 miles away, because they're not <laughs> tiny. Yeah, right. No, no. So, <laughs> and you know what? People love to see that as well. People, I mean, I, mean, I remember the days of watching the, the crowd going out and the man, you just walking around the semis, and, and it, it gives them a first-class look at everything up close. It's not like we keep saying the state fairs, and, and we love the state fairs, but it's a whole different feel that when you go to Brit, Iowa, you're going to be able to, to see, to touch a horse, to talk to the drivers. Um, and, and it's prestige. I mean, when you win a class at Brit, um, it, it's a big deal because you don't place everybody in the class. Like there's only so many in each class that, that our judge gets to place, but you know, a personal note with Linda back in the eighties, I won the ladies cart class there driving a belt and gelding. 
And it is one of my most treasured trophies because Belinda's husband, George, presented it to me. It was a joke before the show that, you know, if you win, I'm going to be able to hand you your trophy. And and it's a small tray and it's insignificant, but it's the memory that you want to class at Brit. And not a lot of people can say, you know, they win something at Brit Iowa because it has top competition. Um, Linda, who's your judge this year? I haven't even heard who the judge is. Jamie Sparrow from a oh, long wow. line of, well, he, of um, Sparrow <laughs> he family. He grew up there. <laughs> he, he, yes, he grew up at the Brit Show, yes. And, he literally um, did. He would be grandson to Dick Sparrow. So um, mm-hmm. he's very well qualified, and we're looking forward to having him come and and uh, work for us here. It, in, in the size of our arena, it is quite a job for a judge. You get your 10,000 oh, steps in easily. <laughs> <laughs> and we're running out of time, but it is BritIowa.com is, where, is the main website. You also have a Facebook page, I believe, so people can search for, for that. It's the Brit Draft Horse Show. Thank you so much, Linda, for joining us, and have a fun weekend. Best of luck, Linda. Well, thank you. It was, it was, it was a... Uh, very special to be able to talk to you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you. Yes. Makes me Bye. want to jump on a plane and head to Brit. <laughs> Let's hope for good weather, too. Uh, you know, it looks like oh, the bad weather is going to be down here with us So, uh, and the East Coast. So you guys in the West Coast should, uh, should have a good weekend. Let's hope. Well, we're going to hear oh. from our friends at Chipshawana Harness and Supply. And also, I have a song for you today called Do You Inspire Me? We're coming back. We have a lot more show for you. And we are going to be talking about something that everybody wants to talk about. And that is the Budweiser Clydesdales. Yep, we're going to get behind the scenes with the Budweiser Clydesdales, find out how they do all of what they do, how they travel to so many places and make it happen, and how they clean that much harness. I want to know what harness cleaner they use because it obviously... <laughs> it's called scrubbing. Yeah, it, yeah, elbow grease is what they use. But uh, it Absolutely. obviously works because their harness is the shiniest harness around. So we're going to do all of that yet on today's show. We'll be right back. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies in the heart of draft horse country in Shipshawana, Indiana, is your source for everything draft horse. Their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at ShipshawanaHarness.com, as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness. Or you can give them a call at 260-768-7254. Just ask for Bob. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse.
That was You Inspire Me, and that was by Stephanie Quayle. You can find all of her music at stephaniequayle.com. You're listening. Nice song, Glenn. I know, nice isn't song. it? That's a fun song. Yeah. She's, she's good, actually. She's, uh, I think she's out of Nashville. She's an independent artist, and she's becoming more popular now, So, and she's uh, putting out a lot more songs. We really like what she does. I met her at Road to the Horse uh, for the first time oh, awesome. uh, two years I- ago, I believe. You know, I almost thought you were going to lead into this with Here Comes the Bud, you know, the, the Budweiser song. So you tricked me there. I thought you were leading in with something different. <laughs> well, so we, Budweiser inspires us. So, hey, there you go. That's right. That's right. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning. Of course, it's the Draft Horse episode. I'm here with Lisa, Lisa Graham. And we are presented by the Draft Horse Journal. And our title sponsor is the Clydesdale Breeders of America. But you know what? There's another breed out there, and I had the opportunity to go to the last one of these, and I'm excited to announce the next one. America is, once again, hosting the greatest of events for the world's most popular draft horse. The World Percheron Congress is returning to Iowa October 8th through the 13th, 2018, at the historic Iowa State Fairgrounds to celebrate and honor the great breed's versatility, power, athleticism, and intelligence. It will be a celebration of worldly proportions with representation coming from South America, Australia, Great Britain, Germany, and the breed's homeland of France. Exhibitors will come from all points in North America, North America to compete in plowing, farm team classes, horse pools, riding in youth classes, barrel racing, and feed team races. A celebrity driving competition, which I participated in last time, not to mention <laughs> enormous confirmation classes, a full fraternity, and a colossal hitch class from carts to eight horse hitches. Now, I doubt they're going to be inviting my co-host of the driving show back because she won it and killed us all. So uh, she, she is no longer an amateur. She's now no. moved up to professional status. Yeah, yeah. But Doctor, you, on the other hand, yeah, I can still drive. Yeah, uh, Doctor. Thanks for reminding me. The Percheron Horse Association of America invites you and your family to come be part of the largest gathering of Percheron draft horses anywhere, anytime. Except to have a great. Expect to have a great time. Be impressed and uh, count on making memories that will last a lifetime. For more details, buy your uh, World Percheron Congress wear. You can visit the website at worldpercheroncongress.us and on Facebook at World Percheron Congress. Uh, let's... They are real, they're really pushing this show, Glenn. It's, it's, it's just going to be an amazing show, and I, I do hope you get to come, and, and we can broadcast live from that and just stay over a week and move right on into yeah. the, the Clydesdale World Show, because it's going to be it's going to happen just about four or five days apart. So oh, is it really? Make a vacation out of it. Yeah. Oh, they really yeah. are. We move from, yeah, you move from Iowa, the Perchin Congress in Iowa, and uh, it will get done on the weekend. And then starting, I think it's on Wednesday or Thursday of the next week, in Madison, Wisconsin, will be the, the Clydesdale World Show. So you got two world events that are going to be held back-to-back, and I tell you, they're... They promised both of them to be second to none. They're, they're in their own breeds. It's going to be really, really amazing. I was at the Iowa State Fair last week, and we were promoting that the Congress was for the Perchance was coming back there. And um, they have a program that's awesome. And I'll tell you about it real quick. It's called the Stablemate Program. And for $200, you can be an investment into the World Perchance Congress for just $200. And you don't even have to pay it all at once. But that will get you passes in each and every day to see all of the events at the World Perching Congress. It gets you two limited um, polo shirts, gets your name in all the publications. So anybody wants to help promote that Perchering show, 
become a stablemate. Go online to their worldperturncongress.us and, and become a stablemate member. $200 to guarantee admission and get you shirts that are going to make you stand out and get your name in all the publications. It's, it's a great thing to help show, get the show started. I still have my World Percheron Congress shirt from the last one. Well, I think you need to become a stablemate of the next show. <laughs> we'll get you working on that. That was the first time I ever got to sit in the box with an eight-horse eight horse hitch. And, and were uh, you impressed? Oh, uh, yeah, because we got to drive around outside. <laughs> I got in in the ring, and then they took us out. We headed back to the barn, so they got to go They got to go a little fast on the outside, and that was right. fun. And uh, wow. So you want speed, huh? You're I, looking for speed. It was a little <laughs> fun. I got to tell you, I was uh, having a good time up there. Now, I'm not used to, because, you know, I drive ponies, so I'm not used to sitting up that high and boy that is a different perspective for when you're sitting in that box isn't it it's it's high up well, there it is <laughs> and i have to laugh at minnesota this week i i had a chance to work with pam minnick and katie kaufman from rfd's gentle giants and they were your competition yeah they were in that driving and and it was kind of funny when we got down to the barrel racing at minnesota state fair i said to pam and katie i'm sure i could get one of the exhibitors to let you you know, use one of their horses. If you girls are horsey, you want to come in and, and participate. And they're like, oh no, that driving experience and riding horses at the last Congress was that did us in. We're, we're good to stay on the ground. So <laughs> you know, I don't think you have to worry about them being big competition again. <laughs> well, Dr. Pohl was there too, of course, of the TV show, Dr. Pohl and yeah. his son. And, and Dr. Pohl drove too. And uh, we all had a new appreciation. And, you know, I've driven before for 20 years, but not not a pair sitting that high up. And it really does yeah. change your perspective on life. It really does. But I have to bring this out, you know, because... I have to support my, my fellow females. Dr. Pohl's wife, Diane, actually did better than Dr. He Cole. Did, she did. And Jennifer rocked it. So I don't know. haven't heard too many girls whining about being too high up off the ground. Yeah, here. and Dr. Wendy. They really rocked it. Dr. Wendy, who won it, is, you know, now let's be honest. Dr. Wendy has competed <laughs> four-in-hand uh, CDEs and was shortlisted for the WEG. So she knows... Yeah, she knows how to uh, horses, drive. Uh, her horses combined don't weigh what one. That's true. That's so, true. She had uh, she has Irish sport horses, and they're they're just horses, you know. So yes, yeah. that that's true. They well. didn't uh, meet that, but she's she's also about five foot two, and she was still up there uh, winning the thing. I'm not letting her come back next year. I'm just telling her. <laughs> well, then you know, their theory is let's harness the excitement, and you can tell us, and Jennifer from firsthand. It is an electric excitement when you're sitting up on that box seat. So yes. I hope I hope we we get some new celebrities that come in that that get just as passionate and excited about it as you as you and Jennifer did. Well, now let's. Uh, we're waiting for Rudy. Uh, speaking of Jennifer, she is trying to wrangle our next guest, uh, Rudy Helmuth of the Budweiser Clydesdales. I don't. Uh, she's trying to get a hold of him now, having a little trouble <laughs> reaching him. So why don't we do the upcoming events while we're waiting and uh, talk about those? And also, the Clyde Store is sponsoring the the upcoming events. All right. Well, like you said, we are uh, having some upcoming events, and this is just a list that that Lynn, you, you and myself have put together, but it's just some things that if you're in any area across this great country and you want to attend a draft horse event, whether it be a show or a sale, there's all kinds of things happening. And it is, again, brought to you by the Clydesdale Store and more. Um, as we talked about, the upcoming Brit Draft Horse Show is happening this weekend. Activities start on uh, Thursday. Everybody's moving in today, and over the weekend, they'll showcase 
from the single horse all the way through the eight horse hit. So Brit Draft Horse Show Labor Day weekend. And anybody that's excited about watching these six horse hitches, the Oklahoma State Fair will host the Classic Series Finals that will be in Oklahoma City. And it's part of the Oklahoma State Fair, September 15th through the 25th. If you're looking to buy or get involved in the draft horse industry, the Central Wisconsin Draft Horse Sale will be held in Nielsville, Wisconsin. That's September 14th through the 17th. Also, the Davies County Draft Horse Sale in Montgomery, Indiana, Southern Indiana, September 28th. And if you're out on the on the far side, like in Colorado, the Colorado Draft Horse and Equipment Sale will be held in Brighton, Colorado. It is September 30th through the 1st of October. Oh, we're just going to miss it. We're going to be in Colorado on it. vacation the week before. <sighs> hey, you could take a trailer and come home with a, yeah, another Jennifer, horse Yeah, Jennifer's very glad we're missing it, I bet. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one of the biggest, Waverly Midwest Horse Sale, they've been a sponsor for us. If you are looking for an experience, you need to try out the Waverly Midwest Horse Sale. It literally brings ten to 20,000 people together. Not only do they have horses, wagon, harness, equipment, um, they have every piece of farm machinery that you could ever think of for a horse, and not just one. There might be 20 plows, 20 discs, 20. It's just phenomenal, the amount of machinery in addition to the horses that go to that Waverly Midwest horse sale. They have two sales a year in Waverly, Iowa, um, home also of the Draft Horse Journal just down the block. But that fall sale for Waverly is October 4th through the 7th. So make a make a trip out of it. If you want to see horses, equipment, just get together with a lot of Draft Horse people. Waverly is, is an amazing place. A um, couple places that I'm going to be shooting off to in the next couple weeks um, this weekend, I'll leave for the Eastern Idaho State Fair. That's in Blackfoot, Idaho. Great showing. Again, if you want to show in a tremendous place where the mountains are are just beautiful in a tremendous setting, the Eastern Idaho State Fair. Um, Young Living Draft Horse Show. I don't know if a lot of your exhibitors are familiar that Young Living Essential Oils actually has a team, a uh, six-horse hitch of Percheron Draft Horses, and they are starting their second year of, of sponsoring their own show. It is held in Mona, Utah. And Glenn, I tell you, if there was ever the most beautiful fairgrounds or showgrounds that you could go to, this is set in the mountains. It is set amongst the lavender fields. It, it, it is unbelievable. Just for you, I'll forward you some pictures to show you. But it, it, it's absolutely beautiful to be uh, Mona, Utah, in the middle of all of the Young Living Essential Oils. That is September 29th through October 2nd. They're going to bring 12 six-horse hitches together. Um, it's all part of the fun days going on at Young Living. So that's a great show. Um, also, Michigan Great Lakes International. It is the who's who of our upcoming draft horse industry. If you want to see some of the best Belgians, Bertrand Clydesdale Shires exhibited, Lansing, Michigan is the Michigan Great Lakes International, which is going to be held October 13th through the 16th. And then one show that, that I'm going to be heading to shortly that you and I had another connection at is the Keystone International. It's going to be in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I believe that's kind of dear to your heart. Yeah, I grew up in that area, yep. Bought yeah, both, I actually, six, the uh, seven, Harrisburg auction is where I bought my Percherons. Was it the Harrisburg wow. auction? Wow. Yep. Well, see, what a, what a small world. So you might need to come back and, and, and just enjoy the draft horse show. But yeah, the Keystone International, uh, October 6th to the 8th in Harrisburg. So 
there's lots of shows going on. I I always say, if you subscribe to the Draft Horse Journal, there's a list of upcoming events that you can, shows, sales, um, anything, anything revolving around the Draft Horses, that Draft Horse Journal is like the Bible of our industry. So if you don't already have your subscription, get a hold of Lynn at the Draft Horse Journal, find them online. And it's such a small investment to, to have such a powerful tool with with the publication. So lots of things brought to you again by the Clydesdale store and more Clydesdale store and more. That's me. And I, and uh, I tell you, this is an adventure that I started earlier this year, promoting the Clydesdales. And I added the word more because I'm slowly adding other breeds into the things that I have to offer. So everything Clydesdale right now from shirts to jewelry, to home decor. uh, And I am the exclusive supplier for your world Clydesdale show items. So if you're looking for a shirt or or signage, make sure to find me on Facebook. It's the Clydesdale store and more. And I promise you there's something for everybody. And you're you and Jennifer are going to be getting a little surprise package in the mail. So not only you can promote the Perchins, you're going to promote some Clydesdales as well. Very good. Sounds like a plan. I, I'm looking forward to I love getting packages in the mail, by the way. Hey, I do have a question for you. Uh, Jennifer is still trying to round up our guest from the Budweiser Clydesdales. Um, and uh, he might be calling in right now. But I wanted to ask you, in the under saddle draft classes, what do they do? Are we jumping large jumps? Are we, uh, you know, what are we <laughs> no. doing in that class? We're not jumping well, jumps? Um, no. Last week at Minnesota, their, their class was specifically walk trot. And, you know, just again, just a simple class. And they come in, I have to smile because they come in either the, the Western or the English discipline. You'll see them come out in their full dress. And, and the draft horses, it, it, it's just funny to see such a big horse come in and doing such technical lead changes and getting into the right leads. Um, Iowa State Fair a couple weeks ago, we did three gates. And when you call for the lope, it sounds like there is a hurricane going on outside (laughs) because you you have these 2,000-pound horses that are are loping or, uh, you know, it's just just kind of funny. And, And when you get them into the canters and the trots, they... They look the part because they have the equipment, but it's it's just so funny because you well, know, and- a lot of my music people will play the song Fat Bottom Girls. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny to see 2,000 pounds of horse, horses just going around with the saddle. Well, but I got to tell you, one of the things popular. that a lot of those Clydesdale houses have in common is feathers. And uh, we have oh, Rudy I... here who was actually out cleaning some feathers. So <laughs> Rudy <he> is here. <laughs> <laughs> Rudy, are you with us? I am with you. Good to be here. Thank you, Lisa. Oh, oh well, where are you today? Where are you calling in from? We are actually in Darlington, South Carolina, here at the Darlington Racetrack for the NASCAR race this weekend. Oh, how exciting. Well, Rudy, I have yeah, to say, we're, we're glad we found you because we thought you were lost a little bit. But if there's, there was anybody <laughs> that could find a way to get to us, it would be you. And, <laughs> Rudy, I, I, you I and I have known each other. feathers. We've got a parade this Oh, well, you tell those guys that you need a little break because you're on radio. Well, I tell you, Rudy, we've we've known each other a long time, and quite honestly, I don't think I've ever met anybody that's more passionate about the horses or sharing your experiences. Um, 
you literally love your job and you have a job that to most people would be considered a dream job. So, so tell me, how did you get that job? How, how did you become a part of the Budweiser team? Yeah, absolutely. A dream job is an understatement. Uh, well, you know, um, I grew up on a farm in Iowa, and we used, we used to use draft horses uh, to farm. And so we use horses, heavy horses, for horsepower. And so growing up, we trained horses, everything from miniatures to draft horses, the Clydesdales. Um, we trained horses. All my brothers were involved with the horse industry. And then it kind of led to where I am today. Um, I worked for, showed a couple different hitches throughout the throughout the country in my earlier years. And then uh, once I turned 21, I got the opportunity to come join the Budweiser Hitch. They're based out of St. Louis, and uh, it's been just a hell of a ride ever since. Absolutely. And and that job takes you all across the country. I mean, like today you're in South Carolina, and it's nothing to load up and be moving across country and, and be in Florida or Colorado. Tell me, a, tell me about a typical day. Um, you get a schedule, you know your schedule in advance where you need to be, but a typical yeah, day. Yeah, certainly. So we're, we're one of three teams that travel around the country. Uh, we're based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our East Coast team is based out of Merrimack, New Hampshire. And our West Coast team is based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. So we travel about 300 days a year, generally each week in a new city. So um, a typical week is uh, Monday is generally our travel day where we travel to a new city. And then Tuesday is what we call our prep day, where we wash and clip all the horses and get ready for all our events coming up. And like today, uh, we have a parade this afternoon. And so today Mm -hmm. is where we wash all the feathers and get them nice, white, and shiny. And then all the brass on the harness has to get clean. So it takes about, we figure about five hours, six people about five hours to get everything ready uh, for the show once it comes to... And, and Rudy, I got to ask you, because every listener right now that's listening is going, what do you use to get those feathers so darn clean? <laughs> it's magic, Glenn. We can't tell you. <laughs> no, it's just, it's you know, hard work. Of, uh, we do it on a daily basis. Um, a lot of elbow grease, you know, it, it, we just use mane and tail shampoo and the, the purple whitening shampoo. And uh, we oil and sulfur our feathers all the time. So just uh, preserving them and Keeping them consistently uh, maintained is the biggest thing. The feathers is a, you know, as any of the breeders know as well, it's, it's a very unique part of the Clydesdale. And so keeping them soft and supple is the most important part. I got to tell you, Rudy, I, 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 I had the opportunity at Live Oak to see you guys over here. Uh, you were here a uh, couple times over at the Live Oak International Show. And yeah, yep, yep. and I got to hang out with you a little bit and uh and you guys said, "Here, feel this." Because I drive ponies. So when I feel <laughs> when I felt your collar, it weighs about 60 pounds. Uh, it's just amazing yeah. how heavy the harness is. Yeah, the the whole harness weighs about 150 pounds and the collar weighs about uh 75 pounds and but you know that that's a lot of weight but for a 2,000 pound animal to carry you know it doesn't really um sound like that much no but i was thinking more about you guys putting that on and off all the time (laughs) is what i was thinking about (laughs) we get our workout in on a daily basis (laughs) bet well and i think one thing when you talk the the horses yes are um they're accustomed to traveling and, and being on the road that's just second nature to them but you said earlier 
you're on the road 300 days of the year. That's a lot of time to be on the road, living in hotels, driving down the road, um, kind of hard for you to, to settle down. So when you get some downtime, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure when you get downtime, you go to a horse show, don't you? It's usually involved with more horses and more work. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, there's you know there's I never... love the, yeah I love the heavy horses. I, I'm really passionate about the heavy horses. Always have been and always will be. They're just a unique breed. They really truly are gentle giants. And for us to be able to bring them out, uh, you know, a lot of people aren't able to see them in person. You know, they just see them in the commercials on TV and stuff. So it's very rewarding for us to bring them out in the local cities and allow the people to be able to see them up close and personal. And they, they're always just in awe and just amazed by what majesty and what gentle giants they really are. Right. And there, there's a reason why um, Anheuser-Busch is promoted by the Clydesdale. Take us back to the history on uh, how it started and, and what prompted this hitch to, to be the iconic um like the, they're almost the equine ambassador to Budweiser because nine times out of ten, when you say Budweiser, people think the Clydesdales. People watch a Super Bowl commercial, they want to see the Clydesdales. But, right. but tell the story right. about they how relate, this originated for the Bush family. Yeah, a lot of people relate the heavy horse to a Clydesdale, no matter what breed it is. But it's kind of a unique story, actually. August Bush Senior actually was at a horse show in Chicago. And he really admired the Clydesdales for their beauty and their majesty. And so in 1933, for, to celebrate the repeal of Prohibition, his son actually gave him a six-horse hitch of Clydesdales to celebrate the Prohibition. And so that's how it kind of all started. And now we carry on that tradition and that legacy of excellence of the Budweiser with the Clydesdales as well as the, the greatest beer ever brewed, Budweiser. I, Absolutely. Rudy, I, I'm a history buff, and I, you know, apparently there's some historical significance with the wagon you use. We we had a guest on the driving show recently. They're starting to do, you know, the Concorde d'Elegance, the very fancy car shows they have around the country. They're right. starting actually yep. to do uh, carriage to car uh displays where they put a carriage that has the same chassis as the early antique car, and they put them side by side and talk about the history of the same makers, the chassis, and all of that. Well, you kind of have a similar story, right? Yeah, awesome. That's that's very interesting. Well, yeah, actually, our wagon, which weighs about 7,000 pounds, originally was built by Studebaker in South Bend, Indiana. And... Uh, it actually was built for the Hudipole Brewing Company out of Cincinnati, and they actually used it originally to deliver beer with their with their draft horses. And so it's just very neat that we're able to now use that same wagon, a lot of the same undercarriage and the same parts to it, to actually go around the country and pr- promote our beer industry. Now, there's not really beer in those cases anymore, is there? <laughs> Just, Come on, Glenn. I just, no, Rudy, I didn't Kill know if that's how you got through the day. You just reach back and grab one, and that's how you're getting through the day. That's what I want to know. Or that's why the dog looks so happy. That's the other thing I was thinking, is he's just lapping it up back there. Actually, um, we do have a keg cooler in the back of our wagon, and we do occasionally do pub crawls when we serve beer right out of the back of the wagon. Yep. See, that's uh, why that that's think, why that Dalmatian is so darn happy all the time. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, you know, and in in the past, my experience with with Budweiser, I think one of the most 
unique events that you do is Mardi Gras. Uh, tell us about some of the well, things that at Mardi Gras. Because I know, <laughs> I know what happens at Mardi Gras stays at Mardi Gras, but it, <laughs> again, in my experience, it might take you six hours to go two miles in a parade route. Is, is that still kind yeah. of normal? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The first, my first Mardi Gras was definitely a uh, awakening experience for me. Um, if you haven't seen it, you'll definitely see it Mardi Gras. But it's, it's actually, yeah, it is. Sometimes uh, we are hitched for five, six hours. That's not really uh, ideal, but uh, the parades are so long and they kind of intersect with one another. And if one breaks down, they don't, they don't move the float out of the way. They'll fix it right there. So the parade stops and waits. And it's just so amazing. I mean, it's like a, it's like a big, big celebration for the whole town. I mean, the whole thing kind of shuts down and when the Mardi Gras parades take place. Uh, you know, I got to oh. ask you this because uh, we, we've been involved in a few parades with carriages and not of all of them very successful, I might add. Uh, we might have had to bail out. We had a we were doing a unicorn hitch and we might have had to bail out when the Glenn, lead... you never, never bail. No, you can't ever bail. Uh, we bailed or we were going to kill little children. Um, people were screaming and running when <laughs> the be honest. Yeah. When the unic when the horse in the front started uh, rearing and carrying on, the parade officials were getting a little nervous and we were too so have you ever had that where you had to bail out of a parade we're all horse people here and nobody's going to tell um well i can't tell i thought you were talking referring to bail out of the wagon no 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 we bailed out of the parade no we stayed in the wagon no that was we do know not to bail out of this driver's seat we We do know that you know it's happened where we've had a equipment malfunction or something though where we had to leave early or something but as far as the horses, you know, they go through about a year's worth of training before they ever come out onto the road. And at the training farm, they try to prepare us everything that they can to what we would encounter on the road. But it's almost impossible. I mean, we never know our situation, and that's why we always have to be ready for whatever's at stake. I mean, we never know if there's a band front or behind us or there's ambulance sirens. It's all over. And that's why the Clydes, I feel like, work so good for what we do. It's because they're very calm and docile. It just they're just that way um, naturally, and so and only the select you know horses are able to come out on the road. If they have a horse that they don't feel like is a good candidate to come out on the road, now obviously they uh, won't send them out here. So most of our horses are pretty pretty good for the most part. Well, that, you know, I guess they'd have to be. You guys get into some of the weirder situations. Now, you do have outwalkers, right? You, you have people walking. We along. do, yeah. Generally, there's two There's two drivers. Um, Manny Ravers, our lead driver on our hitch, and I, too, drive two. And then there's uh, – usually we have three to four outwalkers on either side. And that's mainly um, to keep the people – you know, keep the horses protected from the people and make sure the horses don't step on everybody. And also, you know, the safety concerns, anything along if something needs, line gets caught or something like that. Because you're, you know, you're 80 plus feet away from um, your front horses. So anything that needs to be done, the outwalkers can do. And I'm, I've seen Manny drive horses in places where I didn't know eight horses could go. So <laughs> they've, they've, they've been pretty much anywhere. Now, one of the questions we always get is how many reins do you have in each hand? Well, so we have one for each horse, so we've got four in each hand, uh, the four right ones in the right hand and four left ones in the left hand. And uh, those are your, that's your steering wheel. And I, and I've always, we're talking about praise and just heading straight down the road now, but I'm lucky enough that I get to announce for you at a lot of shows 
that that we kind of co-mix at. And when the Budweiser horses hit the arena, the adrenaline is flowing. The crowd is usually cheering. And, and I know for me, I always kind of make a deal out of it and say they're not going to come until you cheer really loud. And the people get cheering. And then all of a sudden, through the door, the music starts. And in comes eight horses. And just like you said, a lot of these arenas aren't real big. For one instance, Iowa State Fair, when we used to show in the pavilion, extremely small. But to watch you and the drivers come in there, you don't just come in and go in a circle. You go through the whole procedure to show what the horsepower was like in the days of horsepower. You do the docking. You do the swinging. That that takes a lot of talent. Tell us about a docking maneuver, what, what it was used for in the past, in the historical days of horsepower, the docking. Tell us about that maneuver. Well, so the, the docking maneuver is kind of, we simulate the days of old kind of, I mean, so back in the day when the driver used to make the deliveries to deliver the beer, he obviously, he docked the horses onto the dock and then he had to move the horses 90 degrees sideways to make ways for the, the rest of the traffic. And so that's where the docking procedure came came about. And that's why we kind of reenact that in the, in the arenas when we do exhibitions, when we have those opportunities. But what we do is um, Manny will stop along the rail and then move the horses 90 degrees all the way over and make so the wagon is straight uh, with the, with the straightaway with the horses turned 90 degrees. And it really takes a lot of unity and full concentration for the horses to work together and that to happen for the wagon to be straight. And I, I always think of, you know, back in the day when they had to, they actually, there actually was a dock back there and they couldn't move an inch. You know, they had to have it right against the wall all the time. You know, I, I would be real curious to see if, if how that was done back in the day. Cause sometimes we don't, you know, it doesn't, our wagon doesn't have to be exactly, you know, at the same spot and stuff. So it, it I, I really love history and I really wish I would have uh, been able to witness once when they would have done that. Well, you know, and Rudy, when you think about it, if you watch those videos from the early 1900s, the actual videos, uh, there were a thousand horses in those streets going every which way and dogs and pedestrians and people and the the brand new cars. It was chaos and there was no rules. And they're backing these horses up to docks with all of that going on. (laughs) It was just crazy. Right, right. Right. Well, and, and a lot of times now when we're watching it in the arena, when Rudy or Manny's doing it, it's vocal commands. You hear them talking the whole time to the hitch, you know, bringing them over. And, and the crowd loves it because they go silent and they can, they can actually get into to, to hearing the driver talk to those horses. And you can see their heads pop up when he calls their name or, or when he can give a tug on the line to that horse. It really is a piece of history being brought back into our life. And I and I think that our drivers and our Budweiser personnel, they sacrifice a lot. Like Rudy said, 300 days. Imagine if you only got to be in your own home for two months of the year. These drivers are out there promoting the Clydesdales, promoting Budweiser, but, but they're, they're bringing something to the people that each time they see these Clydesdales, they get a little chill or they get, they get a tingle and, and especially the older people. And I know I, fo- I follow Rudy on Facebook and sometimes his message of the people that he touches or that these horses touch, it, it's just so inspiring that it almost can bring tears to your eyes because you might have an 80, 90 year old world war veteran that comes up and touches a horse and, and you can see the tears in his eyes because he's, 
he's living and flashing back to the days when he was on the farm. Rudy, can you think of anything offhand yeah. that just, you know, that just is awestruck, that, that makes you even more proud of what you do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that's exactly right, Lisa. And that's what's so fulfilling for me and the rest of the crew here, I think, is it's not really a job for us. It's not just an eight-to-five job. It's a part of life. It's a way of life that we're able to bring the horses out to these people, like like you said. And there, Budweiser is a huge support to our military, and which is very dear to my heart. And every time, that's mm-hmm. some of my favorite events are doing the military events. And it's just amazing that we're able to give back like that to our country, you know, that for people who've paved the, the freedom for us. And right. it's, it's amazing. You know, week after week, I'm just blown away by people who come out and, and they, you know, the horses make the people's day. And, and a lot of times just, uh, last week I met this, he was like a nine year old, uh, gentleman, uh, veteran who said he hadn't seen the horses in like 35 years. And they always have a story. I love listening to those older people's stories because they always have a story that involved horses, usually heavy horses, either they used to farm with them mm-hmm. or they used them, you know, in war or something. And it's just very, very cool to just sit and listen to their share while they share their story. And uh, that's, that's just the most fulfilling thing for me. Well, Rudy, we have to let you get to your parade. Have fun this weekend at the races. You do have a cool job in that way. You get to see some cool <laughs> things. So uh, that's kind of neat. But have fun at the races this weekend. And uh, I, I am sure when you go to those races, you must get a cheer. That's got to be unbelievable at, at a track like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a have fun. Yeah, well, thanks a lot for having us, uh, Lisa Thank and Glenn. You. And uh, Glenn, the next time we're together, we will have a Budweiser together. How about All right, that? that sounds good. Right <laughs> out of the back of the wagon. <laughs> thanks, That's Rudy. Right. All right, have Cold a great day, Rudy. <laughs> Take care. All right, thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, Okay, well, Glenn, that, you're getting cool. promised beer and clothing. I know. My God, you! I think you're going to like this draft. I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be <laughs> busy. But we're running out of time. Thank you so much to Lynn and the gang over at the Draft Horse Journal for putting together today's show. What fun guests we had today. It's the world's foremost heavy horse publication. You can subscribe today at drafthorsejournal.com. You can visit Lisa on Facebook at the Clydesdale store and more. That's a mouthful, Lisa. The Clydesdale store and more on Facebook. You can find today links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. And if you missed last month's Draft Horse episode and you want to go back and take a listen to it, just go to horsesinthemorning.com and search for Draft, and it'll come up. You'll find it there. And you can also follow Horse Radio Network on Twitter at Horse Radio. We have 10 shows we do on the Horse Radio Network. Horses in the Morning is one of them. We're here five days a week, 9 to 10.30 a.m., but most people listen to the recorded version on our app. Just get the Horse Radio Network app at the App Store, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. It's free. It's easy. You can listen to the recorded version of the shows or even the live version of Horses in the Morning. And uh, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us again. We'll see you the first Thursday of next month. And don't. All right. We'll come to you from Harrisburg next month. Oh, great. Uh, You know, Harrisburg has internet. We might actually be able to get you on your microphone next (laughs) (laughs) week. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for helping to make us number one right now on Sports Radio Network. That's terrific. Let's hope it stays that way for the month of September, too. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Remember Priscilla Presley tomorrow morning on Horses in the Morning. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.